Engaging Leader Podcast, episode 125, Engaging Hourly Workers. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. I can't tell you how many times I have sat down with an employer to talk about their communication strategy for a given issue or an engagement strategy and uh, get their initial thoughts on the situation and what uh, actions they might take. And the vast majority of the time, all of their best ideas, as well as their historically most used communication methods are targeting their knowledge workers, their salaried workers. And when the conversation turns to hourly workers, there's just this quiet in the room. And the leaders say, hmm, yeah, that's a good question. We don't have a great way to communicate with them or to engage them except pull them off the shop floor and have a great big face-to-face meeting. And although that's one approach, for reaching hourly workers, there are some issues with it. This is a topic that's worth paying attention to. Hourly workers make up nearly 60% of the workforce in the United States. These are often the people who directly impact customers, such, such as through customer service or making the products. So making sure they are fully engaged is very important. Unhappy employees leads to unhappy customers. And improving the engagement of hourly workers can decrease absenteeism and turnover costs, as well as improve productivity and customer satisfaction and the overall culture of the organization. For many of the world's most admired companies, it's not just their knowledge workers or their salaried employees that uh, are affected by that culture. I mean, think about Starbucks, think about Southwest Airlines. Think about Whole Foods. Think about Apple. Each of those companies has a large group of hourly employees that make the products or that directly serve the customers. The legendary culture that makes those companies so great doesn't happen behind the backs of hourly employees. They're part of that culture too. And yet at most companies... Most organizations, hourly workers are often ignored in engagement and communication efforts, not because leaders don't care about them, but they just don't understand how to connect with them. In this episode, we're going to talk about challenges with engaging hourly workers, and we're going to provide some tips for better engaging and communicating with this important segment of the workforce. Now, let me start out by acknowledging that I've already demonstrated a an oversimplification or a stereotype. I keep using the term knowledge workers as if all salaried employees are knowledge workers and hourly employees, uh, hourly workers are not knowledge workers. That's not true in a lot of industries. In the United States, the term hourly, wor- hourly worker or hourly employee is a largely legal term that has a lot of historical meaning behind it. And it's inaccurate when you try to, to, to paint a picture for who the typical hourly employee is. For example, as we'll see in a little bit, we tend to think of hourly employees as not having 
uh, a lot of education. And it, it, in fact, many of them have college degrees or higher degrees. We tend to think of salaried employees as being more career oriented. And we think of hourly employees as people who just want a job. We tend to think of salaried employees as sort of self-managed and hourly employees as needing to be supervised. And we tend to think of salaried employees as largely working in some kind of office environment and, and uh, sal- uh, salaried employees are working in an office environment. And we think of hourly employees as working in a factory or in retail or in some other kind of uh, manufacturing or customer service or patient care type of position. And all of those are stereotypes and not largely true. And yet I'm going to say for purpose of this conversation, hourly employee means whatever it means to you. What, what pops in your head when I say hourly employees, what pop, what you think of when I, when I talk about the issues that your organization has in terms of engaging and communicating with hourly employees, go ahead and just get that picture right in your mind. Cause that, those are the, it, the exact things that we're struggling about. For example, uh, an administrative assistant is typically an hourly employee, and yet um, they are often, uh, you would want to engage them and communicate with them just the same as you would with your professional salaried employees at your office. And so probably when you heard the title of this episode, Engaging Hourly Workers, you didn't think of administrative assistants. So just think of whoever is your biggest problem when you're talking about engaging hourly employees. So we're going to first talk about three challenges with engaging hourly workers. The first one is that hourly workers tend to be motivated by different factors when you, in comparison to the typical professional knowledge worker. There was a well-done comprehensive research report provided by the Wilson Group on this topic. It's called Market Research Findings, Hourly Employee Engagement and Reward Systems. You can find it on wilsongroup.com. We'll also provide a link to that in our show notes for this episode. That report summarizes a lot of available research, and it also provides a large number of case studies, about 20 case studies, including companies like Southwest Airlines, Toyota of America, and Whole Foods. And they found that the better companies Uh, realize that hourly employees typically have different interests and expectations than professional or managerial employees. And the high performance companies understood what those employees wanted and tailored their approaches to address those wants and needs. For example, the the knowledge worker, the person who's on a professional uh, career track, tends to have a power motive. They're motivated by having a certain level of influence and autonomy and responsibility. That's not going to be high on the list for your typical hourly employee. So if we want to better engage them, let's be more clear on what actually motivates them. Here are some of the findings from the research by the Wilson Group. Job security is very high on the list of the hourly worker. And not just uh, job security, but income security. So it has to do with both, okay, how is the company doing, but also how, what's my schedule like? A lot of hourly workers uh, don't get to control their own scheduling. And so they don't know if they're going to be making as much next week as they are this week. And a little bit longer 
term, they don't know what their future income is going to be like, and uh, both in terms of the health of the company, but also in terms of their retirement security, retirement benefits. They have a certain amount of Uh, motivation in work-life balance. Maybe a little bit differently than your typical professional knowledge worker thinks about work-life balance, where there's a a level of interest in flexibility and am I able to have a healthy integration uh, between my work life and my my, uh, personal life. With hourly workers, they they want more of a a balance that comes from not having an excessive level of overtime. Often they like a certain amount of overtime because they make more money. But if it's an excessive amount of overtime, then they can't take care of their kids uh, or pursue hobbies uh, very well. They don't have much of a life. And again, it's really difficult to have work-life balance if they've got crazy schedules, either swing shifts or just inconsistent scheduling. Another issue very high on the list of motivation for hourly employees is being trained and developed. And again, that's different, though, than your professional knowledge worker might think of that. Whereas uh, the knowledge worker may be thinking about how can I, what should I be learning next so that I can advance in my career? For the hourly employee, it's linked a little more with job security. Am I going to stay fresh so that I still have a job next year when the economy changes or technology changes. And a lot of times there may be some uh, fears that come from having uncomfortable classroom type experiences in the past. So are the ways that I can be developed uh, and trained that don't feel like traditional classroom training? Another big motivation is being involved in Uh, process improvements and being asked for advice on making improvements. So it's it's motivating and exciting if you work at Toyota and there's uh, frequently things are getting improved uh, around you and you actually can, if you see a problem, you can um, point that out and provide your ideas and things actually happen when you point those things out. However, according to the Wilson Group, they're not going to be motivated uh, if they have to assume responsibility for it. So they want to be involved if there's going to be a decision that will affect their work life. They want their viewpoint heard. They want to provide input and be listened to, but they don't want to have responsibility for the outcomes. And then real quickly, I'll just share a few other things that are important to hourly employees that actually are very similar to knowledge workers. One is that the quality level of their direct manager is very important. So is knowing what's expected of them and receiving frequent and meaningful feedback on the progress. And finally, feeling recognized and appreciated and rewarded for their own work and that of their immediate team. That's sort of the last thing on the list, but it's interesting. That's One of the first things that many companies will try when they want to better engage hourly workers is some sort of Uh, pay for performance or an incentive compensation that's going to get them really excited about whatever the company's working on now. And there's study after study that shows that financial incentives don't have the direct impact that we often think that they do. Yet it's true, there are some certain circumstances where uh, some kind of incentive, uh, financial incentive, really does uh, affect people's performance. 
And one of those circumstances is when it's a very simple, linear type of activity that's being measured. And yes, that's true. That is more likely to be the case with hourly employees than it is with knowledge workers. So on the one hand, financial incentives can be more effective with uh, with hourly employees, but uh, they are t- they tend to be less financially motivated. So you wouldn't want to spend a whole lot of money um, because it, it'll actually can skew things and cause unintended consequences. Um, so you know, much more than a it really should be a, a, a almost a negligible amount of money, but not, no more than like five percent of their compensation should be at risk or part of some kind of incentive like that. But you have to be really, really careful with financial incentives, especially with hourly employees. Um, I've just seen many times when there's unintended consequences, uh, a lot of times there'll be larger pockets in of hourly employees than in other groups of employees that are going to, that may try to game the system, for example. All right, so the first big issue is just that hourly workers are motivated by different factors than compared to the typical professional knowledge worker. Number two is that hourly workers have communication challenges in the typical workplace. This comes through loud and clear in a brand new research report by Edison Edison Research, a well-known polling company uh, in partnership with uh, ReadyApp. It's called the Profile of the Hourly Worker. And they surveyed a bunch of hourly employees, and they found out all sorts of great information that I don't know that we've ever had access to before. One thing they asked is, is um, how does your company typically communicate new policies and procedures to you? And uh, 79% said that the, it happens through in-person communications, which is exactly what we said at the beginning of this conversation of, of this podcast, when uh, most companies, when they think about, oh, how are we going to communicate with hourly employees, they gravitate toward having a big meeting, which is which can be effective, but it Number one, it's it tends to be expensive to take all those people off of your, uh, uh, off of the the floor, shop floor, if you will, and pay them to sit through a meeting. It also tends to be uh, end up with long meetings, which can be really uh, difficult for hourly workers to sit through when they tend to not have a long attention span for a long meeting like that. So these are um, salaried employees who sit in meetings all day long that host these meetings for hourly workers, and they tend to be very long and boring and with uh, death by PowerPoint. Anyway, so 79% say in-person communication. 52% say written memo. And uh, this is a, a, a workforce uh, workforce segment that can typically can read, but doesn't like to read long things. Forty four percent say company email, uh, and I will say also this report also shows that only fifty percent of hourly employees even have company email, much less access it. Forty one percent say phone. Forty percent say posted sign or poster. Thirty seven percent say personal email. So so. These hourly employees get are getting emails from the company, but it's going to their personal email. Uh, 26% is postal mail sent to the homes. So a quarter of communications are happening through mail to homes. Uh, another 25% is a text message. So that's a growing uh, communication method. And then finally, 16% is Facebook group. I don't know about you, but that chal- it surprised me that Facebook group was, was such a relatively high percentage there. So that's how... 
Hourly employees say that their companies typically communicate new policies and procedures to them. So some some challenges there. Uh, I mentioned the thing, the cost of in-person communication and the uh, the attention span factor. It's also just not very scalable. So what happens is companies don't do it enough. It, they and you get this complaint from hourly employees all the time. We don't get enough communication. At the same time, they'll commu- they'll complain that the meeting was too long, but. Uh, often companies will have these face-to-face meetings very seldom, a, a handful of times a year maybe, or maybe even less, um, because they're they're just cumbersome. And a lot of the other communication methods that I rattled off are either not very scalable or they, um, they don't actually reach uh, hourly employees. So, for example, that company email that most employees don't even have company email. Now, speaking of company of, of just email in general, this same report mentions that 42% of hourly workers say they use their personal email account for work communication either sometimes or often. So it's not just that they're getting uh, email from their employer on their personal email, but they are using it themselves. They're sending emails. Um, so 42% of them. And 41% say that they use email several times a day. 37% say they use it several times per week. So that's a total of 78% of hourly workers actually use email at least several times per week, either daily or or weekly. That is higher than what most uh, leaders think. They tend to think that hourly employees don't use email and it's probably because they don't see them using their company email very much. Here's another challenge, communication challenge, affecting hourly workers, and that's that 30% of hourly workers are part-time. So when you're having these face-to-face meetings or you're going around distributing some kind of handout, uh, a chunk of your population might not even be there. So it's important to think about uh, providing on-demand information when you communicate to them? Are you communicating in ways that they can get it when they want it, when they need it, as uh, as opposed to, okay, at 11 o'clock we're going to have this meeting, or we're going to have meetings at our three shift changes on Monday, but if you've got a significant part-time population, they still might not be there at those shift changes. And then the other communication challenge, which I've already alluded to, is it has to do with education. According to this report by Edison Research, 27% of hourly employees have only a high school education or less. Now, that's on the one hand, that's kind of surprising. That means more than 70% have something more. They might have a little bit of college. They might actually have a four-year degree. They might actually have a, um, some graduate credits or even an advanced degree. But nonetheless, roughly a third has only high school or lower. So your typical hourly employee can read, but they don't have that educational attention span, that that long that a longer attention span for a, a longer meeting, and also a, 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 an attention span necessary for long reading, or even to um, skim through uh, or jump around as needed in some kind of a reference document. So you give your employees a big manual or a summary plan description for their benefits, and they might not be adept at uh, getting what they need out of it. And the third issue that we'll talk about today is that hourly workers are having a growing 
preference for mobile, and yet your typical company employer is not actually communicating to them that way. Okay, just one quick quote uh, statistic to share with you that, that actually is broader than just hourly employees, but 60% of all employees use mobile devices to find jobs nowadays. However, only 10% of Fortune 500 companies offer mobile job applications. If we look at the specifically the data specific to uh, hourly employees, 84% own a smartphone. Wow, 84% own a smartphone. 69% own a tablet. 50% use text messages several times per day. 27% use it several times per week. That's a, that's a total of 77% using it either daily or um, several times a week. Of hourly employees, only 12% say they never use it, say they never use text messaging. Also, among hourly employees, 81% use Facebook. Wow. And of those who use it, 79% use it at least daily. Okay, so what you hear is a strong preference for mobile, and yet when I read off to you how does your t company typically communicate to you, you tend to hear the, the, all the top ones were more old school. Uh, In-person communications, written memo, company email, and phone call, probably conference calls type things. Um, posted sign uh, and uh, postal mail, things sent to your home. So it's it was only the, the, the bottom two communication methods that had any, anything to do with mobile, text messaging and Facebook groups. And of course, there are other mobile uh, options for mobile engagement besides those two uh, options. Okay, let's talk about some tips. So those were some challenges and issues. What are some tips for doing a better job of engaging hourly workers? Number one is to get a better understanding of what motivates them. I did spend the first chunk of this conversation talking about motives of hourly workers. And top of the list was job security. Uh, think financial predictability. How can you give your hourly workers more financial predictability? If you can show more loyalty to uh, hourly workers and uh, not cause their shifts to change constantly, or if you have part-time employees um, not making them wait until the last minute before they know their schedule. Um, I'll provide a link to an article called uh, Part-Time uh, Part Workers Matter 2, Four Tips for Engaging Hourly Workers. And one of the points it makes is that 52% of retail workers know their schedules less than a week in advance. 20% 20, 20 of workers get their schedule less than three days in advance. I know some uh, hourly workers, and I bet you do too, who have a really difficult time having any kind of a life outside of, the, uh, outside of work because they just never know what their schedule is going to be. And they tend to get called in to work at the last minute. They don't have their schedules set far enough in advance so they can make any kinds of uh, plans with family or friends. And of course, that is one of the benefits of having part-time workers and hourly workers is to have some flexibility to build up or slim down your workforce as needed. But there's a cost to creating that unpredictability for your hourly staff as well. And so if you can find a bit of balance there to um, maintain some flexibility but without overdoing it or being so rigid with it. I have one uh, relative who's 
manager just, I guess that's a point of principle. Uh, she does not let them know uh, in advance what their hours are going to be more than like a, a, a week out. And also it doesn't give them flex, uh, any ability to work with each other, for the employees to work with each other to address scheduling issues. Um, and she has a certain rigidity when it comes to holiday time. She, she just expects everybody to be there on a certain holiday so that it lets her off of the hook in terms of uh, seeming to be have favoritism by giving people that day off or, or something. I don't really know what motivates her, but uh, basically it's all hands on deck every holiday and uh, even if they're slow. All of those kinds of policies can foster resentment, and there's a cost to that. So if you can allow hourly workers to have some financial predictability, some more advanced notice, maybe some flexibility, perhaps some kind of a schedule management system that lets them trade shifts or drop shifts or pick up more hours when it works for both the company and the employee. So that's just one example of knowing what your employees actually, what actually motivates them. Another, when we talked about sort of that longer term security that hourly employees value, what can you do from a company perspective to help hourly employees feel like they have a future at the company? Well, providing indicators of the company's performance and how they're contributing to that, you don't need to give them your big long financial report, but if you can find some ways to communicate the, the key um, factors in a visual format, it helps them stay in the loop. Also, um, where is the company going? What's our purpose and vision? If you can communicate that in meaningful ways, it just helps to feel like the company is going somewhere and I'm more likely to have a future here. Number two is communicate frequently, especially about the team's purpose and progress. Of course, I just got done alluding to that. But your typical company tends to put up a poster about the company's values or the mission statement and then call it a day. And uh, it's important for the company, for employees to hear about the purpose and how we're doing frequently and, and not in ways that just sound like corporate speak. You have to be creative and think of ways to... Uh, Share the vision and the purpose, maybe not necessarily in the same words every time, and maybe not even using words every time, but to do it in ways that are visual or using video or story. For example, the company eBay puts out a 90-second video on a regular basis that's just called eBay in 90 Seconds, and it's basically like a video magazine. It's a a little, uh, almost like a news item sharing snippets of things that are going around going on all around the, the company at eBay and but it's the, those stories are told in a way that emphasizes the company's values and they don't spend a lot of money on it they uh, oftentimes the, the the video footage is was just shot with some local employees uh, smartphone and um, there might be uh, interviewing somebody over Skype um, that's, but then it's edited together in, an, in a um, professional manner. So a lot of the footage comes over is very is just low budget, but it's put together pretty well, and so the overall effect is very watchable. And, of course, it's short. It's 90 seconds long, and so that's a, that people have the attention span to sit through that. 
and uh, they're interested in seeing what's going on all over the company. So it's a way to get employees to uh, hear about the purpose and the vision and the mission and the values of the company over and over again without just uh, throwing up another poster or giving a little, uh, ramble, rattling off what the specific values are. Number three is keep the communications short. Like I just mentioned, the 90 second video. Uh, not that everything, it's, it's real easy to get tripped up with that and say, well, we've got all these things that we need to communicate. This is more of a complicated issue. Well, then think um, bite-sized or modular. How can you take this information that you want to communicate or the, the message that you want to send and break it up into bite-sized or modular pieces, just share one little thing at a time, and especially how can you make it visual or how can you tell a story? So the uh, eBay videos that I just uh, shared, those are both visual and they're telling a story. In the 90-second video, they might uh, actually share three different quick little stories of things that are happening around the company. Or you might do an infographic on a TV monitor that um, just the the graphic itself sort of tells a little story. Or you might uh, share that on a mobile device, some kind of a, a video or an infographic. And then speaking of mobile device, number four and final is to meet employees where they are. Think mobile and think on demand whenever possible. A good app is uh, has push notifications so that um, that employees can find out that you've provided them something that you want them to see on their mobile device, but it's still on demand. If they're busy at 2 o'clock when you provide that, that's okay. They can check it out at 4 o'clock when they become available. Of course, if you do things using mobile, it's going to force you to be shorter because the data that you're going to get is going to show very much that um, people have a very low attention, short attention span when it comes to their mobile devices. They're not going to watch an eight-minute video, and they're not going to listen to something that's super long. And they're certainly not going to read something that takes them more than a minute or two to read. So it's going to encourage you to be bite-sized and modular if you are uh, communicating with mobile. All right, Engagers. We'll provide the links that I mentioned on our show notes for this episode, which you can find on our website at engagingleader.com forward slash 125, as in episode 125. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with midsize and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at aspendalecommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Dustin Hartzler, our website engineer, J.J. Leahy, our video and web intern, Rick Terrence, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of each opportunity to engage the people we care about. 